Hey everyone, welcome to another week of the Truths We Hide podcast. Today's guest is Tammy Moses. She is the founder and chief encouragement officer of Homes Are for Living. Also, the Hoarding Solution, which is a veteran woman-owned and operated business located in Oak Harbor, Washington. She provides consultations, assessments, and workshops on the issue of hoarding. She believes in inspiring others to take their adversity and use it for the greater good. She is the voice of adult kids of parents that hoard and the voice and advocate for youth living in the hoard. You can contact Tammy at homesareforliving at gmail.com and on social media. I can't wait for you to listen to her story. Hi, Tammy. How are you today? I'm doing well, Annette. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, for our listeners, I've been following Tammy for a while, and I was so seeking excited to meet her in person when we went to the Military Influencers Conference in September. It was like um, meeting these movie stars because we were in this vet tribe and we all, you know, correspond on Messenger on Facebook or whatever. And so to see people in person was like, I was so excited. I was like a little girl. So thank you for being on here. I'm so honored. Um, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Well, I would like to thank you for having me on. And I felt the same way. I was like, oh my goodness, I get to meet all these people that they're just like brothers and sisters and on the journey. It was so amazing to be like, they're real. They're real. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and they're, and so many are doing so many amazing things. It's like, wow, you, like, you really are real. It's just, it's fantastic. <laughs> Um, so I'm very happy to be here, and I'm honored that you would um, have me as a guest. Of so, course. Um, so, wow, my story. Well, <laughs> let's see. Um, I I was born and raised in a small town called Port Angeles uh, in Washington State. Um, I, I live about three hours from there now. Um, I was very eager to get out of the small town. I was, I was very involved with a choir and church things and youth group, and I did travel a little bit through that, and so I knew there was, excuse me, more, more world out there that I wanted to see, and I wasn't sure how I was going to make that happen, and eventually I enlisted in the Navy in my senior year of high school, oh and <laughs> um. My, and it's kind of funny because my dad was like, what? And, and I don't know, if I even listened to my mom until years later. She was like, I couldn't believe you went in the Navy or in the military. And I was like, well, I, I wanted to do my own thing. And I felt like if I didn't, which is kind of ironic because you go in the military and do you get to do your own thing? No. no. <laughs> Not at all. But, <laughs> um, but honestly, we kind of had a chaotic atmosphere at home with a lot of clutter and stuff. And we didn't really call it hoarding at that time, but there was just a lot of stuff. Yeah. And for me, I had friends who didn't live that way. And so I could see a very stark contrast between 
our the way we lived and the way other people lived and that was really hard for me and once i really made that distinction when i was in about in junior high it became very very isolating you know i didn't want to have friends over i didn't i felt weird going to their houses because i couldn't reciprocate you know and so and a lot of those things have carried over into adulthood where i feel very like i really i have to over you know over respond if people do something nice for me or are kind to me because it's like i'm still making up for that fact that i couldn't do that when i was younger yeah um and so i actually moved out of my parents house my senior year of high school and i lived with a family friend who needed some overnight care type of thing um and then i eventually lived with my grandma who was very unhappy that i enlisted in the military <laughs> she was afraid all my other cousins would enlist as well oh, and, no. <laughs> and don't follow tammy don't do what tammy's doing um there was i think eight total of eight cousins and i was the oldest so i mean i guess she did kind of have a valid fear maybe that i would do something but i'm like out of all the choices i could make this is probably a positive one grandma um <laughs> and i had two other cousins that did also go in the military but we're all alive you know none of us um none of her greatest fear didn't happen you know that we all enlisted and all died basically which i mean I'm not saying that's not a valid fear for military people and families because it happens. But, uh, you know, when you're young, you're not thinking about what your grandma's worried about. No, no. <laughs> so, I mean, but for me, it was the best choice I could have made. It allowed me to get out of a place. I mean, I can't say that it was, I had good experiences. I had good things happen. I enjoyed my friends and, that but I never really fit it felt like I just kind of never fit in, in. and um, and I, I appreciate that more now than I did then right um, because if you're always trying to fit in how do you figure out who you are how do you find your path and um, I think it, it's hard if you don't fit some mold when you're growing up and even if you do fit a mold, you still have to find your own path. And for me, the military definitely was that. I was only in for four years, but um, I got to travel. I got promoted. I know what it's like to, even on a small scale, to lead a group of people who are looking at you like, seriously, this is what we have to do? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, even simple things like cleaning the bathroom or whatever, every week, you know, this is what needs to happen during your duty day or whatever. And I just tried to find ways to be like, all right, I'm putting all the, the things we have to do in a hat and pick one, you know, I'm not going to assign it, pick one. They're all in there. Yeah. Um, if you don't like it, trade, but go do it. I don't really care. Just here you go. <laughs> and so, I mean, some of those things you get forced into real early you're very young and you're all of a sudden you're in this role and you're leading people even you know some my in my opinion what i did was rather minor versus people leading you through the desert and having to to check you know around every corner you know to see where the enemy is and i was on a ship i mean we rolled through some areas but we weren't boots on the ground and so um 
uh, I really have a lot of respect for the people who do that and come back and now you're living a whole different life because of your experiences. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different experiences in the military, but honestly, I don't think it's a bad choice mm -hmm. if you're a kid trying to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. And fast forward all these years later, and I'm very much connected to a vetpreneur tribe, mm -hmm. and they really are the family, uh, you know, and yes, we're business, and yes, we're all over the country and the world, but there is still that helpful connectiveness that I, it never occurred to me as an 18-year-old kid signing on paperwork that one day I'd be like, oh, okay, God, maybe that's why you wanted me to go this way. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. there was a plan maybe after all, even though I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah. It's like that aha moment when you're in your 40s going, oh my God, that's why. <laughs> yes. And, I, and now people say, oh, I can go back to high school. I'm like, no way. I like where I'm at now. Uh, I've learned a lot. Would I like to be in my 20s again? Mm, yeah. Yeah, physically, maybe. Right. It's physically, <laughs> but, yes. But with what I know now, no. You know, I wouldn't want to go back to that clueless part of my life. Right. So it's been, you know, an interesting journey to where I am now. And um the other i was thinking this morning about you know what what should i talk about with annette you know and um for me hoarding is definitely one of those elephants in the room type of thing where people are very isolated yeah. and the clutter increases that isolation and it i'm really starting to see part of my my purpose is to talk about the disconnect that happens because of it the the people who don't get to ever see their grandkids. Um, the people who tell me, uh, my kids come to town, they won't stay with me. Yes, that's true. Perhaps we should examine why. <laughs> they, they hesitate to bring their child to your home or, you know, they, there's nowhere to sit. There's, maybe you have too many animals. Maybe, maybe it's just clutter. It could, because it isn't always like dirty. Mm -hmm. It could just be too much stuff. Mm -hmm. And so there's a very much a disconnect between the person who has the problem and seeing they have a problem and then everyone else around them who's like, yes, mom, yes, Aunt Susie, yes, there's a problem. And so being able to find a way to break through is really a challenge and very heartbreaking if you are um, a person, a family member who is trying to... Um, navigate that sorry i have things popping up here and i want to get rid of it i hope it's not recording on there it might be anyway sorry about that um so i just find that there's a need to talk about some of these harder things and and i know you know that's what you do as well is we have to talk about this stuff for people to feel less less isolated and more connected you're so right. The hoarding thing, not, you don't hear those stories at all. It's like, it is one of those hidden things that people don't want to talk about. I, God, I don't even know. My, my family used to watch the shows and then they would look at me and be like, mom, 
I think you're kind of a hoarder. <laughs> I used to get really upset. Like, no, I'm not. I don't, <laughs> I don't have stuff all over the place, but I did have stuff. I had stuff. Like I didn't have to have those things. It was an emotional, it was an emotional purchase. It was a quick, this will make me happy purchase. And then they started to become more and more, but I never wanted to admit that. I never wanted to say anything about it. So I got offended. So nobody talks about that stuff. So how do you break that barrier with someone who is emotionally attached to things and how, and help them get rid of it? Cause that's hard to let go of something. It, it, it's, that's in your life. Even if it's a pair of shoes that you don't wear, but you had to have, you don't need them. So how do you help? How do you help those people? That's so, that's a difficult topic. It's so I, I really, I mean, I have stuff too, and I've had to re-examine like people because people will ask me, Oh, what do you talk about this? Because you're a hoarder. And I would be like, what? Oh, I guess that would be the first impression, you know? Um, and plus, you know, so I, a couple things. One is the word hoarder inherently has like negative connotations. Like it's a bad thing. Yeah. And so no one wants to be called that, you know? And so there's a, and I agree with it actually, a movement to move away from using the term hoarder it's like calling someone an alcoholic versus yeah. someone who has a drinking issue or problem right. you know it's it's a very negative label i would say mm -hmm. and but i do believe that the term hoarding is accurate you can say a person that has a hoarding problem yeah. and um because you're separating you're still a person and we all have problems <laughs> it right. just you know that may not be your problem and so I just see where there's a need to, to look at the person. And I think, so when I look at hoarding, I see unaddressed trauma. There's something going on underneath that isn't being dealt with. And acquiring things can, is what kind of comes in and like fills the void type of thing. Yes. And I have an example, I, I, I have this cup here. And it's a pen cup now, <laughs> but it's a butterfly mug that I got with my mom years ago in Canada. We went on this trip to the Bouchard Gardens and all that. And I chipped this cup. I did it. Nobody else. Couldn't blame anyone else. And I was like, I'm going to use the term normal loosely. Normal people would throw this cup away. Yeah. But... <laughs> I don't fit in that group. So I, I re distinctly recall, I'm gonna drink out of this cup anyway today. You could cut your lip, so what? I'm gonna drink out of this cup anyway. I'll just drink on the opposite side. <laughs> and as you see, I still, I kept the cup and I repurposed it into a pen cup mm -hmm. because I'm very attached to the memory of that day and it was enjoyable and we still talk about it 20 plus years later that we had a good trip that day and so detachment is really a thing and i have other things where i've broken it i'm like oh well you know i just throw it out and so when you're really attached to that 
it's really hard to release it. And so what I have found is that people want to be heard. And if you have too much stuff, there's a reason why, and you kind of want to tell your story. And if someone will listen to why you kept your chipped cup or why you have 10 of them, once you kind of tell that story, they might like, oh, you know, maybe I only want five and they'll release some of them. And so you kind of have to work on the human side of it. Mm -hmm. And even though the stuff is obviously a problem and it's what I call a symptom, it isn't the actual problem. And it's why it's important if you're a person that has too much stuff, why you need to be involved with deciding what stays and what goes so that you can develop that skill around, oh, you know, I, I can still have the memory, but I don't have to have all the things. And that might make me be a little calmer and it might also allow my family to get off my back a little bit if I start doing that. Um, so, and the thing is, is that detachment is real for whether you're just downsizing to sell your house or if we need to back up a dumpster. And no matter where you fall on that spectrum, that detachment piece is still huge. And I worked with people who had hoarding, wasn't even on the, the radar, but they had decluttered their whole house and then they have that one room where the divorce decree is or the military flag or the baby shoes or the, all the emotional things. And then they're like, look, I've done everything, but I can't, I just can't do this room by myself. And then you can go through that and say, okay, you know, are you keeping this? Are you putting it in storage? Does it belong to your kid? My kid method is, did they move out and leave their things? Great. Make them each a box, put their stuff in their box. And when they come and visit, give it to them. And now you're not the bad guy saying, I got rid of your baseball card or I, you can't have your cabbage patch kid. Cause I don't know what I did with it. You know, <laughs> you just put it in a box and let them decide. And that way, you know, you're clearing out your space, but you're not responsible for what they do with their things. And there, there can be a lot of friction in a family if one person's um, a clutter bug and one person is a neat freak, you know, it, it's a lot, can cause a lot of friction in households and same even with kids. I mean, I personally don't have kids, but I hear the story of just shut your door. <laughs> um, and so there is a lot of friction that comes about in these things because of the we're different people you know and well I I'm told I could go on and on about this topic and that is true because <laughs> I've just seen so much friction in families and it causes so much pain and it's stuff people it's stuff there is no U-Haul behind the hearse. I'm sorry to tell you, but we aren't taking it with us. Right. And once you start realizing that, I don't mean you have to get rid of everything and live off of a stick. I just mean, start looking at that, you know, no, knowing that you can't take it. And I have um, a grandma who was very diligent about, I want you to have these things. And I'm going to give them to you before I go because I don't want my kids and people arguing about it. And now I'm moving to an assisted living near my other kid. And she 
made those decisions earlier in her life so that when her health declined, no one had to decide all those things. She had already done it. And I think that's an actually a gift that you give to your family when you can deal with some of those things in advance and make those decisions ahead of time. And there's more room for joy <laughs> once you make some decisions, you know? And so I just think that we can look at why we keep things, but then we also can process why do we need to get rid of them in in a similar way? Right. No, those are real, those are really good points. It's true. It is it is stuff. And this past year, I've been really trying to have a mindset shift on everything, and that was one of them. Is getting rid of stuff that was literally just sitting there. Why? And I had to really think okay why do I still have it and then once I got rid of it it was like this sigh of relief and I was happier because I was no longer stressed out about it just sitting there you know by me telling myself well maybe next year or maybe in six months well there and I know now why people have that rule if you haven't worn it in six months it needs to go and I apply that with everything. If I haven't used this and it's still in a box, I've been here for two years, it needs to go because obviously I don't need it. And it, it's hard though, because, you know, there was a reason why I got it, but the reason, reason was probably not a good one. So, um, <laughs> you know, and yeah, there's just, there's, we could talk about this for hours, but yeah. I, um, how have you, how has the, process of trying to help people with this how, how has it been have they been receptive have they been i'm sure there's some difficult parts to it but how has this whole thing been well in the beginning i didn't really know i was going to talk about hoarding i didn't really focus on that as my business you know desire I wanted to deal with housing issues. I wanted to try to do something um, for people that are homeless that are, and I just, I had this like big, broad idea, but I hadn't really honed it in on anything. And I, I was, this whole thing kind of started uh, through veteran women igniting the spirit of entrepreneurship. And I went to an event in Seattle, Bellevue, and I, I ended up working with some business mentors through that. And we had a chat about what am, what am I doing? And I said, you know, vague things. They're like, well, what else do you know about? And I said, I know about hoarding. They're like, oh, well, there's a show. And you know that, right? I'm like, yeah, I know. It's terrible. <laughs> like, it's a terrible show. Because yeah. um, <laughs> it was very triggering for me to see that type of scenario and people living in it. And the art, the the arguments that ensued because people had different ideas about how they should be allowed to live. Right. And through that conversation, though, I started to realize that I actually did know a lot about this, and I had survived it. And there were some tools that I used to to survive it, and unwittingly. You know, surviving, not really realizing that these are things I did, and um, I started to see that while the shows focus on the person that hoards, and there's a lot of 
other people that are impacted by this issue that don't really have a voice mm -hmm. and um, are expected to fix the problem. And I was like, well, that's pretty, that's pretty backwards. You know, <laughs> how am I supposed to come in and fix a problem I didn't create that I don't understand? I was a kid trying to survive. Now as an adult, I'm supposed to come and fix this. Um, so for me, it became, it, it has evolved into this mission of, hey, wait a minute, we aren't talking about this the right way. Hey, we're criminalizing mental health things because someone um, has a hoarding issue. Um, and then I started to realize hoarding can lead to homelessness because if you have too much stuff and you're say you're renting and then you don't meet your inspection and now you get evicted over time and now that goes on your record as an eviction how do you rent a new place you get this being known for trashing the old one yeah um, how do you navigate that and so i see there's a lot of need for us to be addressing this at a higher level um, with rules and laws and re-looking at the fact that hoarding is now considered a disability. Mm. Uh, it has a mental health diagnosis. Just because you have too much stuff doesn't mean you're gonna fit that criteria, but you have to look at that as, well, what is our disability in here? Can, am I evicting properly? Am I following the ADA guidelines um, if this person has a true diagnosis? Um, and so it can be really challenging to deal with it because often the person doesn't want to hear they have a problem. And my, in, oh, I would say overall, the people I, who have hired and worked with me were ready for a change or something forced it, like their landlord wasn't going to renew the lease. Mm -hmm. um, the challenge is when someone is facing eviction, but refuses to accept any help and you may have i have had this happen you've done the walkthrough you've talked to the housing advocate you've done everything you could up to that point to help that person and they still refuse it and then you are in a place where the chips kind of fall where they may and to me that's very sad and part of the reason i think it happens is because we don't intervene early enough an inspector will see, you know, this, this place has a little clutter. And then a few months later, it happens again. This place has a lot of clutter, but no one says anything or they will issue a citation that says you will, you have 30 days to fix this. That person doesn't know where to start. Yeah. So at what point do you say, we recognize, you know, Tom, that this is not, what we're issuing to you is not working. Um, how can we do this differently? Mm -hmm. And I see a need for us to be intervening earlier if we want people to uh, remain housed. And I have also discovered through a lot of conversations that there's a lot of veterans that deal with this. Um, sometimes it's because of PTSD, sometimes it's dormant and then something triggers it. And this could happen for anyone, a divorce, a death, that you lose a pet, a move, um, and those that behavior then picks up its pace. Right. Um, it's very challenging to work with someone who doesn't want help. 
uh, it's also very challenging to work with someone who does want help <laughs> because, because now you're working through the story and hearing it and they're having to make decisions about their stuff and they may have not had to do that before yeah. and so it can take a lot of time and a lot of patience to sit with someone and hear their story and let them talk through their stack of newspaper or whatever it is but i see it in a way as two twofold one as, a, as it is a helping profession when you're organizing and you're helping and you're doing that but it's also like a dirty jobs profession where sometimes you are going to need a hazmat suit you know you are going to need a respirator you're yeah. in the so you there is like this multifaceted problem sometimes that we are just either ignoring or stabbing and we aren't really intervening in a way that's helpful right and i just see a need for for that um when you can step back and look at that person and, and that's why i think it's important to separate the person from the problem mm -hmm. when you can step back and say i know that mrs smith was in foster care i know that she lost her own dad at a young age i know that um at some point she was homeless i or she lost a child or she went through a divorce or her parent died or if you can step back and start looking at them as a person and what has happened to them you can start saying oh now i understand this a little more mm -hmm. i understand this better as what they have gone through and i think you can come in with a little more kindness and i think kindness is important because you have to be direct and mm -hmm. if you're just being nice you're not allowing that directness to take place and so i kind of come at it more of a coaching perspective like tell me what's going on tell me you know your perspective and then let's talk about what you'd like to see happen in your space mm -hmm. and the things that you can't do right now because there's too much mm -hmm. uh, i had a client who she used to do all these arts and crafts and all these things but severe health issues kind of moved in and took over her life and then the clutter came about because her spouse became a caregiver as well as working full-time and so how do you maintain all these things and so i see issues within long-term illness as well where you may have kept a pristine home before but something has come up that has caused you to no longer be able to do that and it's challenging for home health aides to come in and help you if they can't get in the door <laughs> yeah um so there, there's uh there's people in the stuff and i think it's important for us to recognize the people no, absolutely. Um, how how do you think this has helped you from how you grew up do you feel like oh i don't i don't know how, how do you how do you think this is is this almost like a self-healing journey kind of way because you could give back based off of the fact that you you know how it is because you kind of grew up in that situation it's it has become 
healing. I have had a couple conversations recently with people who've known me for quite some time, even when I was a kid, and I said, you know, what I've decided is that it takes a lot of fertilizer to grow a beautiful garden. And therefore, I'm going to take all this fertilizer <laughs> and use it to help other people because otherwise, what's the point? What's the point in going through some of these things if we aren't using it to help other people? And, yeah. and so I've had many conversations with God and or your higher power, if that's how you see it. Um, where I'm like, okay, you need to show me what the whole point of this is, because I'm not getting it clearly. <laughs> and so it has become one of those things where I can be in almost any situation, I can say two sentences about what I do, and all of a sudden someone is telling me their their story, their experience, what they've seen, their neighbor, someone that they love, and they're like, it breaks my heart. and I agree. It breaks my heart. But I also think that if you see someone in the ditch, someone's got to be got at least one foot on the road. Otherwise, how are you going to pull that other person out of the ditch? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of look at it that way. And <clears throat> I've recently been looking at my why. And I, I had focused a lot on my experience as a kid. Um, I, I call it hashtag uh, YLIF, youth living in the horde. And then I came up with hashtag AKOPTH for adult kids of parents that hoard. And I realized, I started looking at the experience my younger brother had, and I was like, wow, his story is even more awful than mine when I think about the fact that he was in a wheelchair and he had muscular dystrophy so already you don't fit because you're a kid in a wheelchair mm. and now you live in this kind of cluttery environment and uh you and now you don't fit even more and now you go to youth group and you can't get in the building because there's no wheelchair ramp and, and so what i i'm starting to really realize is that his voice is part of my why his story is part of what needs to be told because there's other kids like him right now living in these situations. And I wouldn't necessarily say parents choose this. It, it kind of gets dumped on you sometimes mm -hmm. and it's overwhelming. And how do you manage your marriage, your job, your kid? Oh, now you have a disabled kid. Um, well, I'm going to use that term. My brother had a great, his name was Daniel. He had a great sense of humor and I miss him. He's been gone a long time, but we were we were good friends when we were younger, believe it or not. We didn't kill each other as teenagers. <laughs> we tried, I'm told, um, <laughs> which I, I think in that way, we were kind of normal kids at that point. But yeah. when I look at his story, I'm like, good grief, it's even more challenging um, to have survived that and graduated high school. And I mean, I felt very guilty because I moved out as a senior in high school. He was still living there. I, I couldn't get him out. Um, even years later, I couldn't get him out of there. And um, I always felt kind of guilty because I left him there in that. And there's a lot of people who 
in my position who did the same thing. We left and then we felt guilty because we left someone behind. Um, and I think for me, that's another reason why I have to talk about it in some ways because I don't want other people to feel left behind right. and misunderstood. And um, I, I totally get what it's like to not fit in, to, to be this like, you know, I didn't have a cool bag to carry my stuff. I had a sturdy old backpack. <laughs> well, guess what? Now I'm carrying a sturdy old backpack <laughs> because it just doesn't hurt my shoulders as much. So, I mean, there are practical things that we learn as kids that we can carry forward. Um, but now I, I have a tip sheet that I made about for youth living in the horde. And I see it as valuable for kids who are in school who are struggling because if you don't have any somewhere to do your homework, that's really challenging. Um, you may not have running water. I experienced that. Where do you wash your clothes? How do you take a shower? Um, and so I had people in my life that I was able to wash my clothes in high school at my grandma's. Um, I took swimming classes and so there was access to a shower there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I hear more and more people telling me the reasons why they took a part-time job like at the YMCA was so they would have access to a shower. Mm -hmm. um, when you're a kid, you, that is not something you should have to worry about, right. you know? Mm -hmm. um, at least in our society, I, you know, I, we are very westernized and formal and I realize that, but, um, and you're not going to die if you don't take a shower every day, you know, right. but I mean, as a kid, there's this kind of this expectation that, you know, it's bath time. Right. Time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just have found that I, I scaled mountains. I didn't know I was scaling with tools. I didn't know I had. Mm -hmm. And then I step back and go, Oh, there's other kids that need to know about this. There's other people that need to know that this is a problem. And, and if a kid comes to school and they're, they don't have the appropriate clothes or they haven't been able to brush their hair. Um, you know, kids are going to get bullied and teased no matter what, right. but if you, the more you stand out for some negative reason, the more someone's going to bother you basically. And I just think it's important for people to recognize that homelessness is a problem. Hoarding is a problem, you know, having parents that are have an addiction of some sort is a problem for kids mm -hmm. and a lot of times they didn't choose it they're just dealing with the aftermath of it and I think we could stand to be a little more compassionate as people mm -hmm. when we're looking at a situation to really step back and go what's really going on because we judge on the surface and I'm guilty I've done it yeah. you know we all have yeah we all have yeah. but if, uh, I think that's one of the things that's great about getting older is I don't worry so much about what everybody else thinks. Mm -hmm. I worry about what do I think? What do I think about me? Because I have to go to sleep tonight right. with whatever that is. Right. That's so important that it, it is. And, and I think, yeah, we need to, we need to keep reiterating that not to worry about what other people think. We need to love ourselves first. And that's a hard thing to do. It is. It's really hard, especially if you think I'm not valuable or I'm not worthy. Why? 
if I don't love me, how could anybody else type of right. thing? It's, and if, <laughs> yeah. I've Ooh. had some great reminders this past week with a couple different conversations about you need to value yourself before you can expect other people to value you or pay you. <laughs> so oh. I keep hearing, I've heard that quite a few times as well. <laughs> it's, oh. a, it's such a difficult thing to hear. And then, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, Tammy, gosh, we, uh, I know we could talk about this forever because it's so important and I relate to it so much. Um, I just, I, I thank you for, for doing this and for God to put you in that path, even though this is, this wasn't your intention in the beginning, it led you to it. And now you're doing such important work for so many people that need it. And, and I think, I think it's amazing. And, and like we, we spoke about before, it's just a topic that, no one really wants to bring up. No one really wants to admit it. But as soon, if you scale back, peel back the onion a little bit and start to really think about why you're in the situation you're in, then, you know, people like you can actually, can help, help with that. And I think it's, I think it's awesome that what you're doing and we're cheering you on and, and I know you're going to help so many more people. So thank you for, for doing that, for being you, for being on here. Well, thank you, Annette. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all the work you're doing so much. It keeps me going, oh, yeah, that's right. There's someone else out there like saying, hey, we got to talk about this, people. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I I appreciate that. And my my chosen family has become my my veteran brothers and sisters. They're, they've been amazing and still are. It's, it's, I love it. I really do. This past two years has just been such a eye opener and just a game changer. Just mm -hmm. lives. absolutely. Um, why don't you let us know where where can people find you if they want to talk about this? So I am on um, Instagram and I'm trying to think where am I? Instagram and Facebook at so I'm at the Hoarding Solution. And I'm also, I mean, I'm Tammy Moses on Facebook, if you want to connect with me there. Um, I, I have a website, I will have a website again called um, The Hoarding Solution. Um, and, but the best way right now to probably reach me is on social media. Um, and I do have um, consults available. Um, I can do this virtually for just about anywhere someone is. I mean, we can have that conversation um, and create a plan, you know? Yeah. And I'm happy to do it and I'm happy to connect because sometimes people stumble into this and they don't realize what they're walking into and it can be quite shocking. Right. Right. Well, thanks again, Tammy. I look forward to seeing you, gosh, in, in what, six months or so at the next mix? Yeah, at the next mix, San Antonio. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> You have a great weekend. Happy, I say happy heart day. Happy Valentine's Day. And I wish you yes. all the best. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you so much, Annette. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Truths We Hide podcast created by A Wild Ride Called Life. 
To find out more about our mission, visit www.awildridecalledlife.com.